This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present. Welcome to the pod today, everybody. Um, today we've got uh, Josh, um, one of our friends from way back in the day. Uh, so just to give everyone a quick background on this podcast, we really don't explain a lot. Um, we were all missionary kids, uh, third culture kids that grew up in the Philippines. Um, Josh and Cumin and I all lived in Davao City for a while. We also lived in Manila. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, we invited uh, Josh on the show. It's interesting, you know, everyone that we're inviting on the show, we, we send previous episodes and um, it's been, it's just been a really positive experience listening to everybody. And, and Josh, I'm wondering... Um, you know, you've listened to a show or two, or I don't know how much you've listened to, but um, what, what's been going through your mind um, as, as you've been listening to these things, as we've been talking to you, you know, what kinds of memories or what kinds of thoughts, you know, what are you processing right now uh, as an adult? Uh, I guess like first, first thing that came into my mind was that, oh, I know these people. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. kind of know their stories. Yeah. you know so that's a good thing you know like reminiscing on the past mm -hmm. well yeah and like i just like to hear what other people say and i guess like you know like a while ago we did like little sharing on facebook and you know with the flipgrid and that's when i actually you know like it hit me more you know like hearing what everybody has been going through and you know, like I'm mostly positive about my MK experience, to be honest, but yeah. I was surprised yeah. to see that like many are, many don't have the same, you know, like experience as I did. So that's kind of enlightening. That's the, that's the important part of this process is, you know, we were all, we all were in the same movie theater growing up, but we were all in wow. different seats. I guess it'd be more of a play because you have, and we all saw things from a different perspective and um that what's important is that uh we have conversations from every perspectives and then now that we've learned more we can kind of put those pieces together with with the pieces that that are in our head right mm -hmm. you said yes, something hit you or or when you were watching um uh some of those class reunion yeah. videos and listening to the yeah, podcast we yeah, we might need to do a little background explanation about the uh -huh. Flipgrid because yeah, that Flipgrid yeah. is probably going to pop up more than once right. uh, throughout our conversation with other people as well. This Flipgrid is, I, I think, Caleb, you, you might you can do the explanation yeah. better than me. Well, for our class reunion, um, we, we all put together short videos and uh ian talked about it a little bit um about what it was like to go to our class reunion because everyone was just very um open about where they were in life and we i think a lot of us found that um we've all kind of landed in similar places uh in the uh, how we have uh, had to really process the mk experience and process uh, moving from different cultures and and um, maybe not necessarily fitting in everywhere that we go. And uh, so that, you know, um, I think that's opened up a lot of conversations for all of us. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess what, I don't know where to start. <laughs> you can just hit we'll me start with them. Yeah. Um, is there a, a memory in, in the last week or so? Is there a specific memory? whether it was your first time at faith or first time in the dorm, first time in Davao. Um, I'm, I'm trying not to lead the lead your thought process here, but were there uh -huh. any memories that, that came up this week? Well, not necessarily this week, but as I mm -hmm. look back, you know, like I was in Davao city, but actually I didn't go to school with either of you actually. Like I came, mm -hmm. I went to Davao when I was eighth grade from, eighth grade from Manila and 
that's kill up you were on furlough i think that year and yeah Cumin i was on furlough middle school so cumin and i spent some time together during that summer like right mm -hmm. before freshman so i knew cumin but i didn't really know you kill up and also mm -hmm. and you know looking back i was surprised you know to actually well not surprised i knew kind of knew it but we barely even spoke over the years you know like when we were actually in high school we were in different dorms so like mm -hmm. i don't really recall you know hanging out with you and it's kind of bummer in a way because you know like i could have made more friends back then i guess <laughs> yeah you, you kind of hang out with Hold people up. um wow wow we we didn't go to school together josh Did, no, this... we, Wow! We, we, so... went we went to we went to school together in Manila, yes, but not in Davao. Really? So my yeah. Oh, my memory's doing some major hiccups on me right now. I, I'm I, because the thing is, Josh and I we we lived like next door. We lived in the same neighborhood. Uh huh. So I always assumed that I went to school with you all this time. Yeah, because we went to Davao like uh when like in like march or like spring yeah. spring of 96 so you were in school but i i kind of i was in different school so i actually my school was finished then so it's like so yeah though we there was an overlap but not actually actually in schools but you know oh okay okay and you can continue honest, yeah, to be honest, you know, like I ex I went to Faith Davao like one year, and I went to Faith Manila for three years, and mm -hmm. my experience in Manila is like ten times better than my experience in Davao. To be honest, yeah. What was better? Pardon, I didn't hear. What? What was? What? Why? Oh, uh, cause. I guess like coming well eighth grade is the oldest group you know like in, yeah at level. and like so it's kind of hard getting adjusted i guess and i wasn't as outgoing that was a problem too and like i guess it faith davo has an interesting vibe to be honest it's i don't know it's it's different from manila <laughs> i don't know how to express it it's like Everybody's nicer in a way, but also at the same time, it's like, it's not like, it's so small and they have certain, well, you know, like when we think of cool, you know, like we have a mental image of that, right? But it's, what was cool in Dava wasn't necessarily like cool in our minds, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm making any sense, you know? <laughs> You, you are, are. <laughs> jinx caleb wow but you are josh because i totally i kind of totally get where you are at, what you're trying to say i mean i kind <laughs> yeah, I of guess, like, you know like all of us experience both so we sort of know what we we're talking about but you know people who are listening to this would not really have much more understanding than we do i guess <laughs> how would you human what what did you think of when josh said that Davao is its own, has its own world with its own language. Albeit we all spoke English, but it was a different kind of English and it was a different kind of culture. So you're, you're right. I mean, I think most Americans who, who have grown up in their own small towns would kind of resonate with, with what we're trying to say. It's like, you know, when when we are in our own little respective towns, we think we're the hippest people. But when we go out and experience the world, we kind of realize that, oh, maybe my definition of cool or the way I viewed something to be cool up to this point is not quite as cool as I thought it was when we experienced a bigger world. So I think that's how I, I understood Josh. It, is that a correct ass assessment, Josh, would well, you say? Well yeah, in a way, and that's not to say I was cool in Manila or anything, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I guess like there is more diversity in Manila because there are a lot more kids and, you know, like mm -hmm. you can find more, more people to hang out with, you know, 
similar to you. And it's like, because like if you, so they were like, you know, like eight, eight, ten, you know, people in class. And, you know, like, right. You are really, unless you hit it off with, like, you know, one, one of them. And it's like, and it's the chances, chances are not that high. And it's kind of, it sort of messes up everything. And I guess like I didn't have enough time to get adjusted. One year wasn't enough. Yeah. The there's a continuum of homeschool at one end and then like public yeah. school on the other end, you know. And uh -huh. I think Dava is pretty close to just one step up from from homeschool, uh, just about because you know, like you said, I mean, there was uh, years where there might be five or six people in my class. Uh huh. Yeah, I and think also, Nasali. Oh, I was gonna say other no, other kind of close community, you know, like Nasali. Yeah. and some of these other schools had a very similar vibe uh -huh. as well. Yeah, and the thing is, is, lots of things would happen outside of school, and I wouldn't know about it, right? You know, like lots of SIL people, uh, SIL Indonesian mm. people, and you know, like they have their own thing, you know, like they have their own basketball team, and you know, things like that. It's like, unless you know a way to get into those things, it's like unless you actively seek out or unless you know you're you already are in that community it's really you know like you sort of know you sort of go on without really knowing what's going on you know like because like not everything is going on at school whereas faith manila it's more school centered i guess hmm. it's interesting what you talked about uh, related to the Indo kids, the Indo the kids whose parents were coming over from Indonesia, because I remember there was a bit of like backlash in the missionary community. The uh, SIL mission, that's you know the Summer Institute of Linguistics, which were really Bible translators. Um, a lot of them who were translating in rural areas of Indonesia, um, uh, they they were translating the Bible, but they could do that anywhere once they learned the language. So they came and kind of like uh, relocated their headquarters, I guess, to to Davao. And um, there was all of this like, who, you know, who who do these missionaries think they are? And they kind of in, uh, you know, we thought it was great because I'm like, the, our school like doubled in size and they're, you know, more kids. But some of the traditional Davao people you know, kind of said what you said, oh, they have their own basketball team and they're clicky. And, um, you know, these SIL missionaries are a bunch of nerds. And like, uh, like it was, it was really, it was really funny to, to watch that happen. Yeah. So at, by the time I got there, I guess they were like the center, I guess, you know, like they were like the Wednesday rugby's, you know, led by those people, mm -hmm. like like mainly played by those people, and like there were like other things going on, you know, like they have like Mighty Knights basketball team. I remember that, you know, like it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, like, was that when you first? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to bash anyone. No, no, but, no, 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 we're not. not. Kind of, I'm not. I'm a Davao kid. I mean, yeah, we're all Davao. We're from Davao. Yeah. yeah. But there's definitely, you know, there's a there's a difference. And, you know, was that when you first came to the missionary field, uh, Josh? Or when 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 did you land in the Philippines? So I landed in the oh, sorry. Philippines at nine, uh, in 1994. And we spent two years in Manila, actually. But I didn't go to faith then. I didn't know mm -hmm. how to, I, you know, I didn't know how to speak English. I actually went to Korean school. Korean MK school, you know, like we had like, it was a really small school too, you know, like with like eight of us and things like that. But I, I went there until my seventh grade and my, my parent well, so they did language. My parents did like, you know, like the language learning in Manila first. That's why they spent two years there. And we, so like their actual mission field was Davao. So that's when we moved. Hmm. So that's a lot of it transition. was my third year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so you just turned teenager like probably hitting your adolescent age and yeah so hormonal changes emotional changes <laughs> wow everything's incoming and and boom you're in the philippines i mean one of yeah. one of the one of the earliest memories i have with josh is climbing mount apple together yes really yes mm -hmm. it was a three-day ordeal come to think of it it's like i tell my wife this story and and she says 
uh, you, uh, your parents. <laughs> See, you used the word child abuse. Because <laughs> my youngest, the, our, our youngest sibling at the time was six. <gasps> six no. or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was 11 or 10 or 11. Josh and I were around there. And so my youngest is four years apart from me. And so, so we had this six-year-old climb Mount Apo. Which That's... is about three thousand meters, for those of you who yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's the highest yeah, mountain we're, we're not, in the Philippines. We're not talking about Mount Everest, but we yeah. are talking about a mountain that will get. I mean, in the tropics, it will get you know a little bit of snow every once in a while. Um, you know, it's a. It, I've been to the top of Mount Apo. It's not an easy climb. I can't imagine that. So that's you, you guys climb that together. Yeah. Yeah, our two families. I mean. Yes. Oh. And we, yeah, so I remember like running into bushes to, you know, do number two. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no public bathroom, you know. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah. 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 It was quite so a memory. When, so you guys were both, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we talked a little bit when, um, I was interviewing you, Korean, just around you, uh, Korean, Cuman, uh, just around the <laughs> Korean experience. Sorry, guys, it's late at night. Um, uh, about the uh, missionary experience, you know, being sent from, uh, a, you know, uh, from Korea versus U.S. And it sounds like you got you, you both of you, um, uh, your family spent a lot of time together. Oh, together. Yeah. Well, early days we spent time together, and like later, well. Yeah, I mean, it's different. Oh, well, I'm going to jump off to another topic, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I guess, you know, my experience of U.S. culture, it was very evangelical. You know, like the faith was yeah. all I knew about American culture. Because, right, you know. And I came to the U.S. when I was like 29. And... I guess oh, many of the things were very familiar, oh, but also at the same time, very different. <laughs> I I also had that experience. Yeah. But I mean, very different from yours. Yeah. I guess like, uh, so Korean MKs, it's like, I kind of see it as a, not a, as a problem, but it's like the interesting is that, you know, like, whether you go to like MK school, international MK school, like faith, or you go to like MK, like local school, like totally changes your perspective in a way. I mean, so like many of the Korean MKs uh, going to the international school, which is like mainly white American evangelical, you know, like culture, right? And we sort of, you know, equate our, we get accustomed to that culture and sort of, we sort of equate our selves. I, I guess like we identify with that culture, but at the same time, we're not Americans, but we're not Filipinos. Yeah, we're Koreans, but we are not Koreans either. So I guess like the biggest difference between the Korean MKs and the American MKs would be that we deal with sort of we deal with like three different identities, whereas uh, American MKs just deal with two. I mean, yeah. So that the experience is slightly different in a way, and like some of them, you know, like so like some of them go back to you know I went back to Korea for college, Cumin did too, and I'm really I'm good with I'm good at Korean, uh, but you know like there are a bunch of MKs. Who are not good at Korean, but you know they're only good at English, but they're not American, so they cannot really get like the as much financial aids as Americans. So it's like a lot more expensive for them to go to the states, and you know like the their whole visa issues and everything. But you know like oh like you know like until up until high school they sort of think they are like pseudo American MK, but when they graduate it sort of totally changes and i think it throws off some some of the mks i think current MKs. 
What do you think, Kimin? Oh yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, but that's a general assessment. Let me just bring the topic back to you, Josh. Personal assessment. Okay. <laughs> we like to keep <laughs> things on the personal detail. Uh, you you did mention early on that overall your MK experience was positive. Yes. So could you maybe highlight one or two specific like memories that you have that marked your uh, well, stay in the Philippines as positive? Well, I guess like you know like it's it's overall positive. I think the what made positive was you know my experience with uh, MK school in general. So like I went to a Korean MK school when I first got to the Philippines and spent two years there. And I went to Faith Davao for a year that I didn't go. So when it was my ninth grade year, my parents are, my parents wanted me to stay in Davao because like they didn't want me to leave. So I actually went to the local Chinese school and I didn't get adjusted really well there. So I spent four months there and I went back to the Korean school. I grade, I went earlier. Then I finished that my ninth grade year there and I went to Faith Manila in my 10th grade. And I think like the dorm life and, you know, like just have like but different experience I had at Faith Manila made things positive overall. And like the, and the good thing was that like the, all my friends from like almost all my friends from the Korean MK school actually went to Faith Manila at the same time as me. So like I had, I already had like my close friends when I started Faith Manila. So that, I think that made that, that was helpful in getting me adjusted to the whole thing, whole situation. And also staying in the dorm, you know, like you get to have like a bunch of dorm brothers, which helps, you know, like, cause like yeah. you get to, and that, yeah, that really helps a lot. So yeah, I guess, just school in general. I, yeah. I guess like it's in, in the school in Korea is crazily competitive. So I'm just glad to be here uh, to, to be, uh, to have learned in the Philippines and, you know, like be edu educated mm -hmm. there. Yeah, it was just fun. Well, it sounds, it sounds like you've adapted to, to so many different education systems adapted to so many different types of friendships and relationships. What's it like being an adult now in the U.S.? You know, you've been here about 10 years now. Um, yeah. What's it like being in U.S. and um, being the person that you are? How do you, you know, how does that like inform the way that you see the world, the way you see parenting, the way you, uh, you know, uh, uh, engage with your your employment? I'm not, you know, yeah. What's it like being an adult and having lived those all those experiences? well it's it's interesting i sort of i like to you know make you know like i like to hypothesize you know what would it would have been if i took a different path so yeah i mean so if i went let's say i went to college in the us and just stayed here until up until now I would be a different person than I I am today, you know. Although I'm in, I ended up in the U.S. right now, so because like I spent 10, 10 years of my adult life in Korea, and that sort of made me really, really, really Korean. So surprisingly, oh, when I came to the U.S. Uh, in my late twenties, like the all my social circle circles were around, you know, people, Koreans. So either Korean Americans or just Koreans in general who were studying. So I I I came to US to get my doctoral degree, and like most my friendship and relationships circled around Korean church. So it's like very very korean and i but i had family so i didn't have many much ch many chances to make you know like the individual friendships but i guess like i would work and you know like i would work 
and study and research with, you know, like just like any yeah people, just like people at school and everything. But you know, the people I hang out with as as a family or you know people I like build friendships. They were mostly Koreans. It sort of changed when I was working because I I I had some American friends as well. But you know, like in general. It's like I very, very much feel like Korean, although I'm a permanent immigrant right now. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, but it's this is not this. I still retain, you know, like my friendships from my past. Like I have, I you know, like the I I have Or like American, I it's it's odd to say American friends, but okay, let's say American friends, you know, like from high school, you know, who who I would, you know, meet and you know, like hang out mm -hmm. sometimes, you know. So, like the friendship I retained from high school is still there, but also at the same time, the friendships, I, new friendship I made here are mostly Koreans, and mm -hmm. interesting thing was that to share my experience in college uh so like we had oh i my friends were not mks uh we didn't have like my, i was like the i was first mk to attend my school so like i had another mk there but most of the kids were most of the kids i hung out with were initially hung out with or like people tck's like me so it's just so like we would speak English together and we would, you know, like just share different, you know, cultural, we would have similar cultural, you know, like the upbringings and stuff. They're not necessarily MKs, but yeah. So like that sort of eased me into college life as well. Yeah. I, I made, you know, some Korean Korean friends, a lot of Korean Korean friends over the years, but I guess like that sort of, that made the transitions easier. And actually my wife is also a TCK, like, She's not on MK, so that's where I really? met her. Yeah, jo Josh, I have to say, I'm I'm sitting here listening to the way you describe all these relationships and all these cultural differences, and it's so interesting because, <laughs> you know, you say, well, this person is a Korean TCK, and this person is like American American, but this person is American MK, and you know every there's just nuance to every every little relationship i also think it's interesting that you like to play in your head about you know the different paths you could have taken in life and how if you had done your college in us versus korea you would be um uh, more culturally american versus you know i heard you say a couple of times um uh well i heard you say once uh well i'm not really korean and then 30 seconds later, you said, well, I mean, I am Korean and you kind of corrected yourself. It's it's so interesting to me the way that you just process um, uh, all of these little differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I find this fascinating because I think this is probably one of the first times I'm hearing this in English. Mm. Uh, this this kind of talk by a Korean saying Korean Korean American 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 in case I've heard this dozens of times in the Korean language by a Korean MK but I think it may be my first time to hear it expressed in the English language this Korean MK experience so it's 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 bringing it on other levels for me and I find it I'm I'm curious, Caleb. I mean, how you are reacting to what you're hearing from Josh? It's not new, it's not new contents for me. But for you, have you heard this kind of talk before, like Korean, Korean, American, American? Um, I would say, so in a way, yes, but with far fewer dimensions. Um, you know, I. I still think that way about my relationships. When I think of you guys, I think of you know, Korean MKs. Um, when I think of people at work, I think of they are American Americans, right? But because you guys had so many more dimensions to your cross-cultural experience, 
um, in addition to language skills, you know, I, I speak English. I speak a little bit of Tagalog. I speak a little bit of Cebuano, but kind of like, I mean, I, I kind of grew up in a bit of a, a, a bubble of, of, of the Western schools, school system. And, you know, in the Philippines, you can get away with, with speaking English and a little bit of, of whatever dialect, um, you know, whatever Island you're on, as long as you speak a little bit, you're going to be fine. And so when you say, have I heard this before? No, I have not. Uh, I haven't thought of your, your experience, um, being this complex. Yeah, Josh, have you, I mean, what do you consider yourself to be Korean, Korean? It's, it's such fun. It's such, yeah, I can't find a better word, but interesting right now. <laughs> this, I guess it was easier when I was in Korea, actually, because like, oh. I could just anticipate, but as I'm here in the U.S. for more permanent terms, that sort of throws me off in a way. Well, especially when I think about my children, you know, like how I would raise them, you know. Yeah, because I don't know. It just feels odd to raise my kids as Americans. But, you know, like I'm not like American, but I'm kind of, well, I'm an immigrant. So <laughs> it's it has different levels it doesn't it doesn't really bother me or anything but also at the same time i don't know that permanence or sort of you know like it is really interesting i don't know i just know i don't know how to put it but it's interesting i guess yes we do have a diff difficult time in trying to name what we experienced to put into ex exact words what we are going through because because many of much of the time we still have so much to process and we haven't quite arrived at our destination and so this podcast really is helpful for all of us involved to figure out where we are and to process what we are going through i guess like some of the well the, to be honest though like i don't think it's it'll be like something to be processed for me it's just the way it is yeah. uh so yeah i'm okay with uncertainties and i'm okay with you know like i don't know like because like right now so when i this when we decided well so right now i mean i'm working here and indefinitely and and it's like I'll probably, I'll probably uh, retire here, and I'm planning to be naturalized sometime in the in a few years. I'm currently a permanent resident, so that's a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big yeah. commitment. Well, I was going to ask you guys, what would you have wanted? me to know about you about um the uh, korean missionary experience what would you have wanted your, your western counterparts to know back then? i guess there's a variability because like the variability between korean and case some of them are really really you know some of them some of them are really really like the very I guess I don't know, like very close to American MKs, and some of them are very close to Koreans. And well, it's like so. Well, it's same for the American MKs too, right? You know, like uh, depending on people, you know, who are some of them really patriotic and you know, like really love the American thing, American pride, and everything. And there are people who really love local culture and everything. But you know, like there's an extra dimension for Korean MKs and of. Uh, I cannot say that my experience as in Korea and my experience as Korean MK can be same as Cumans or other people. And so it's, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, it's because really, like, depending on, you know, how many 
like how much you have been in that sort of a, a sort of an international MK bubble kind of thing and the sort of changes and I think it's different now you know like back in the days when we we're teenagers uh you know like there was k-pop and stuff you know oh it's <laughs> I don't I'm just like yeah, drifting off but you know like people are less proud of our cultures I guess Korean cultures well they some of them really love Korean culture but also there were people who were who thought it wasn't cool as cool as American culture so to speak but right it's like I think it has I heard it has changed with the YouTubes and you know like you know like BTS and all those things you know like and even for Korean Americans they feel more proud of their home yeah. like the culture of their origin although it's like I don't know I don't know. Well, I, I'll tell you from my perspective, you know, it's been interesting to watch Korea um, really explode on the world stage. You mentioned BTS, you know, with everything going on in the world, you know, what was one of the most popular news stories in politics last week? BTS was at the White House, yeah. you know, like meeting, yeah. meeting with the president um, that you know, things have have absolutely changed over this time period. Cuman, I want to ask you the, the the same question. What you know? What would you have wanted um, your Western counterparts to know back then? Uh, I, I don't know if that's that's prying too much, but uh, well, I don't know. What are your thoughts? So let's dial the clock back two decades ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> and re think of ourselves in those hallways at Faith Academy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a lot okay. thinner back then. Yeah, yeah. All of us were considerably thinner. Uh, language barrier. I, I wasn't, I didn't have one because I went to the Philippines at a relatively younger age. So uh, in Faith Manila, I didn't have an a language barrier when it came to English. But many Koreans who came later in their developmental years, maybe like middle school years, they did struggle with English and they did struggle with the language a bit. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, looking back, uh, you mentioned that the Philippines, it was relatively easy to get by if you knew how to speak English and just a bit of Tagalog. But for the majority of Koreans there, if they didn't speak English, it was a major setback for them. And, and, then, and then the most peculiar aspect of all that reflecting back now is that there wasn't much consideration of English as a second language in our day. Now there is. I know that Fifth, Fifth Academy Manila is running mm -hmm. a, a English uh, ESL program for, uh, for other people who don't speak uh, English as, a, as their first language to adjust better. But back in our day, there was no cultural sensitivity as for these language barriers. And isn't well, it? Isn't it yeah. Oh, sorry. No, sorry it, isn't it, it, no, it's okay. Isn't it fascinating that we are in the Philippines and we are there, all of us as foreigners, but the Americans don't quite understand why people of other, national, other nationalities would have trouble speaking English. So yeah, if I could dial the clock back, I would let the Western counterparts uh, let them know to be a bit sensitive yeah. in in using English and making people feel more comfortable in getting educated. Because the whole purpose of school is education. It's not learning yeah. the English language, right? Well, uh, I guess the thing well, thing about faith was that you know, like there was there were barriers not even before you start faith because like unless you went there from kindergarten or first grade you have to take an entrance test so mm, like really? without yeah because like there were a certain quota i guess i don't know it's a quota thing or i don't know but we we needed so we need to prove our we needed to prove ourselves that we were we would be able to learn things in english so I guess it was not like that in the early '90s, but when it when when it was like when I came like '94, 
ish, you know, like there were so many Korean MKs then. So like there were like I know people who like took yearly tests but never got to study at Faith, you know, like and I, I took I, I took my entrance exam at Faith Davao and I also took another one at Faith Manila. And so wow. like huh? How? Oh, I said, I said, wow. Well, I said, no, wow. I mean, That's, so this yeah. is surprising. That... This is a totally different experience. Totally yeah. different experience than me. Yeah. So from uh -huh. your reaction, Caleb, I'm assuming you knew none of this. I remember taking a, an entrance exam for, for Faith Academy, um, DeVal, uh, when I was a kid I had to decide whether or not I was going to, uh, what grade I was going to be in because my because of where my birthday lands. Um, oh. And I think I think you and I are kind of in the same boat where based on where our birthday lands, you got you got put to the next year. Um, I I did not uh, or, you know, early on. Um, uh, and then, of course, like, you know, uh, struggled academically. Um, but uh, and I say that I got A's and B's and I still I still, you know, think that I um, was the, the dumbest kid in class. Um, you know what? What's if I could something that I've been thinking about? Um, you know, both of you have such different stories, and and Cuban, you're raising your kids in Korea, a hundred percent, and Josh, you're raising your kids here in the U.S. a hundred percent. And Josh, you mentioned that you know you've been thinking about that. Like, you know, what does that mean for my kids? Uh, I, I'm wondering what you know, Korean. Have you? Oh, Korean. Cumin, guys, it's so late. No, Cumin, okay. how uh, have you thought about that? Like your your kids and cross cultural experiences and and what you want for them. <laughs> I'm kind of a different father than most, I guess, because there's nothing I want for my children. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I I don't have any set rules for them at all. Other other than me providing a roof over their heads and providing a sense of comfort and love and security that's pretty much all that matters for me so many people have been asking me this question why don't you teach your children english because you're fluent in english yourself and i'm saying um, they, they will learn it when they think they need they need it i'm not gonna push it on them just so that they could be bilingual or, or whatnot because Here's one thing about my son, my oldest son. Uh, he spent his first three years, four years in the States. And we sent him yeah. to a charter, chartered school. Unbeknownst to us, uh, I mean, we sent him to that school because it was free of charge. But it was free mm -hmm. of charge because it was for under uh, underclass or for those low-income families. Oh, right. Yeah, because you're a student. Right? Yeah, I was a student. So I was a low-income yeah. family. Yeah. So I sent my yeah. son there. And later I found out that it had the worst education possible because they would sit three-year-olds down and make them, force them to learn the alphabet and the numerical and numbers in class. And they would all line up to go to the bathroom at a set time. So my son, till last year or two, till two years ago, would hate it when we would even mention English. And, and my wife and I were thinking, why does our son hate English so much? It all points back to that school, that one year in that strict, <laughs> strict wow. preschool. So no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to force anything on my children. Yeah. I mean, when the time comes, my daughter is really interested in languages on like Chinese, English, whatever language she's really interested. So I will give the opportunity she needs if she wants it. That's my end. And I don't, I, you see, I am against nations, the concept of nations or mm. borders for anarchist. that matter. I, yeah, I am <laughs> anarchist to be, to be I, I, I see governments as a, necessary evil because we're all so messed up so that's the extent of my think thinking so i don't i don't go with yeah. the korean i don't go with the american i just go with human 
So you are a yeah. person sharing your human identity with every human individual here on earth. That that's where I go. That's my level. I mean, that's that's my uh, philosophy of raising my children. So wow. it might be a bit different from most Koreans, uh, because even from my parents, my parents are always like, you have to be proud to be Korean. You you have to raise your children to be proud Koreans. I'm like, uh, no, I I think differently. <laughs> so that's me. But let's let's turn yeah. the mic over to our guest, Josh. Yeah, what's your reaction, Josh? No, I love Cumin. That that's so insightful. But Josh, I'm wondering what your what your thoughts are on what Cumin well, just I'm said. Not, I'm not really patriotic. Well, I used to be, I guess, but like I'm not really into nationalistic culture either. Well, it's not. I'm not. You know, I'm at the. I'm not at the level of anarchy or anything. But the thing is, uh, we sort of enforce, try to enforce Korean at home. Cause, uh, and I guess like the the diff biggest difference between our family and like other Korean immigrant family is that we are not exactly first generation, although we're first generation, but we're not first generation. Cause like my, my wife and I, you know, like we were fluent in English and we're like sort of bilingual and and you know like we we don't have problem communicating in English or anything. So like there might be tendencies for our kids to go o overboard and just, you know, know. Yeah. Cause like even like the people, parents who don't speak as fluent English as we do still their children would only speak English at home, you know, like, but we don't like, I sort of see language as an, you know, like the, uh, you know, like a commodity. It's, it's, it's a tool. It's a, it's, it's an wrong asset. Or, yeah, asset, I guess, asset. So I just want our kids to know Korean so they would have an option if they want, if they choose to live in Korea, you know, they could live in Korea. You know, like, so we had a choice. My, like, my wife and I had a choice to go anywhere in the world, you know, like, and, and you know, we decided to live in the US and it happened. So it's hmm. like, I see language as an asset. In a way, so like, so it's like, and ha having to, you know, like, and I think, you know, language sort of enriches your culture. I mean, and your thoughts, because like there are vocabularies and, you know, lang you know, there's whole world behind the language, right? So mm -hmm. if you learning one language, sort of not just, it's not just for communication purposes, but it sort of lets you experience the, whole culture so i think it's important so like i'm sort of seeing it as like broadening their worldview in a way hmm. and you know like and you know the you know they're already you know they already feel more comfortable with english anyway so yeah it's like they're gonna learn it anyway so we might as well enforce korean at home <laughs> that's how well, I it, think. it's an interesting transition you've made to the u.s because a lot of the things that are the most traumatic about, um, you, you know, immigrating to a new country, language, culture, those things, you already, you and your wife are, are third culture kids. And, and so I, I'm sure that lessened the, <laughs> the, 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 the trauma or the, uh, anxiety that your kids would feel um, uh -huh. if it's a, if it's a smoother transition for you. But I want to ask you coming to us, like, what slapped you in the face? You know, it sounds like some things were pretty smooth or or less bumpy than and for some other folks. What slapped you in the face? Uh, there was nothing that was unexpected, to be honest. So, but you know, like, but the thing was, oh, this gets. It this might yeah, this might get into the politics and stuff, but anyways. So like the whole, so we came in 2012, and uh, and there were you know elections and stuff. The so whole rhetoric against the minority changed in the middle. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, that was you know like, and that sort of I guess you know before you know like when I thinking of the US 
it was you know like the there you know it's very systematic and you know like everything's run smoothly i guess and you know like yeah and you know like it's one of the more advanced countries in the world and you know like and people are you know like sensible and logical and you know but i guess and you know like and the race there is always a racism but racism is not like explicitly expressed but you know like that the with the rhetoric political rhetoric change of political rhetoric and everything and it i didn't feel as mm -hmm. safe as before i guess i don't know how to put it you know and it and the thing is it's like uh you know like it it has to do with christianity and all those things too because like it baffled me you know like the, how evangelical christian even at faith you know like you know there were like elections uh between bush versus clinton back then i guess and everybody in, at the school was voting for bush and that was like really like interesting for me because in korea we don't vote certain party because we're christians <laughs> oh, so like right. and that was really really interesting for me and like and you know like the i guess the i after i came to the u.s i saw the other side of the evangelical christianity in a way so because like i work i work at a so-called secular university public university and i feel a lot safer in terms of you know like the racism and stuff where i work then i would then you know if i was in a very white evangelical you know christian christian world <laughs> that is very telling that is that is an indictment upon the white evangelical well, circle <laughs> yeah and i th josh i appreciate like uh, I wouldn't say what you said is political and, and here's why um, that is your experience. You know, that's what you feel when you're here. And, and I think it's important, you know, this podcast really is for everybody in our community and we can disagree on politics, but what I don't think anyone should ever argue with is, is, you know, what your experience has been like living through, you know, some years of, of it, instability in this country and and some years where um there has been uh some uh, anti uh immigrant uh anti-asian uh rhetoric and uh, you know you've experienced that and i think it's important to talk about that yeah i guess oh uh, i was uh so like i spent so i spent most of my well there are always you know like the i guess little little racism you know like it's for instance you know like uh like or well, like some experience like this okay and this isn't this has nothing to do with christian christianity or anything but you know like my daughter asians you know like uh northeast asians like you know korean Ch chinese japanese we have a birthmark called mongolian spot and so it's a really it looks like a bruise on your butt <laughs> <laughs> and my so my daughter was going to a university run daycare we there and first some reason we we lost a spot and we went to a local one and one of the teachers saw the birthmark there it's you know like mongolian spot and they thought it was an abuse <laughs> oh my so, goodness so like child child service came in <laughs> Oh, excuse me i came into our house and you know like they inspect did a whole inspection and the child service were you know like informed enough that it was just a birthmark and it was a it was just a you know little incident but we were not charged with anything but the the very fact that the teachers you know like one of the teachers thought it was a bruise cause it look it it's just a blue bruise kind of thing but it doesn't look like something you know like that would ha that would happen you know if somebody hits on it it hit you know hits the child you know it's it leaves totally different marks so i mean 
that uh, was not pleasant. <laughs> that's no, that is that is surprising. That is shocking to me that that child protective services would get involved at that level with such little evidence. And I'm well, sure this book I, out there. I, I guess yeah. So child protective service, child protection service would come has to come. You know when the report is made. So like they this a credible this, report. Yeah. So like the yeah. report from a teacher. So they dismissed it. Dismissed it right away. But you know like the teacher, and you know. I guess it's, well, uh, Josh, you know how many things I've reported? Uh, and my wife is a therapist too. You know how many things we've reported to CPS that never get investigated? Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, my wife was um, doing therapy in another county and she did in-home therapy with, with kids that had, um, that have, uh, you know, a mental illness. Um, and uh, so pretty uh, um, intensive therapy, in-home therapy. And, um, the things that she would report, I can't get into specifics. The things that she would report would shock you. Um, and, you know, CPS would never show up, right? And, and, and every county is different and every place is different. But I would say, uh, and, you know, <laughs> I guess if, if uh, you know, folks who are listening to this have a different experience or if you work in human services, um, to have a, a birthmark like that, especially for a kid who's, you know, otherwise well-adjusted, um, uh, to have that reported to CPS and actually have someone from CPS come to your home and do a home inspection, that is very surprising and shocking to me. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Josh, yeah, well, that... I mean, uh -huh. I think uh, Caleb and I and we all would agree that this is one of our strong points that we can laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the way you described your incident, I would have been infuriated at the least, and I yeah. might have even pressed legal charges against that teacher. But you're just so nonchalant yeah. about it. It's like, yeah, it happened. It's an incident. It felt unpleasant, but mm, what? Yeah. And we, we laughed. Well, about I, was, it. I was mad back then, you know, but, you know, like, yeah. not, nothing we could do at this point. And, you know, like, and, you know, like, the, I guess, you know, like, and just I see it as a ignorance of a teach, of the teacher, but, and they would not even reveal the identity of the teacher, well, which is, mm -hmm. well, which is, in a way, it's a good thing because, you know, like, teachers should be free to report whomever. But also at the same time, you know, like, the ignorance was, you know, ignorance just baffled me. Mm. Well, there were, like, little incidents like this. And, you know, like, yeah, and, and I remember, you know, like, in at, on Facebook, and we were talking about, you know, like, the racism and stuff. And one of the faith alumni was there, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like, why, you know, we, you know, like, so whenever we, local kids would, you know, like, tease us, you know, that we were also, you know, like, we were also victims of racism. It's like, I was, you know, things like that. And like, you know, you, you lose sort of will to refute that, in a way. Help me understand what is, yeah. Kim and you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted No, no, I mean, there. we are we are hitting our one hour mark and it's, uh -huh. so we might have to wrap things up, uh, but we, we do definitely yeah. need a part two on Josh as well, a follow-up episode on Josh with this parenting issue and living in the U.S. as a TCK. I think yeah. it's going to unpack other material or other talking points as well. Well, I have to say, you know, just from my experience, um, it's been awesome listening to you guys. Um, I've always been, uh, you know, ever since I left Faith, Faith Academy, I've always um, been more curious about, um, uh, you know, the uh, experience of Korean missionaries overseas. And it has been really fun just asking you guys some direct questions. I have so many more. I feel like I've learned a lot. And I just want to say thank you for um uh, you know, the the perspective that you've shared today, it, it was great. This was a really fun conversation and I'd uh, love to do it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for, you know, like talking more, I guess, you know, like yeah. it's rather, 
I think the one hour is rather short. <laughs> I know. Yes, it is. It is a bit short. One hour is. It's not yeah. going to be. Nearly and I'm as sure enough. I would hate. I would hate hearing myself. You know, like in like. So I'm. I, I don't think I'm going to replay it. Really, like the whole thing, probably not. But. <laughs> no, Josh, your voice sounds more than okay on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have a calming anyway. presence, so it's you don't need to worry about it. It's like it's all of us. All of us hate listening to us, but it's just one person who hates it, and it's yourself. Everyone else doesn't. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. It was a pleasure as always. <laughs> yeah. Listening to all your experiences. Thank you again, Josh, for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me to speak. Yeah. All right, and on the count of three, one, two, three, go Vanguards. Go Vanguards. <laughs> oh, Vanguards, yeah. <laughs>